was a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico Yeah, once more we're off to uh, Campeche in Mexico and um, a warm welcome to uh, John Bonfilio. John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. Good evening, Martin. How are you? Uh, sort of okay, <laughs> just about uh, struggling through, but I wasn't sleeping anyway, so I thought I might as well come on and do the, um, do the radio show. Um, but yeah, just about, uh, just about surviving at the moment. It's got a bit of a... But I don't want to make it all about me. I've said this three or four times tonight because I keep on keep on going on about it. So let's ignore that and let's talk uh, Argentina. We've been uh, talking about Argentina a fair bit lately, but this is a phenomenal uh, event. Uh, the vice president narrowly avoided assassination after a, a gunman's weapon jammed. As he, I mean, this was a, a stroke of luck for uh, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner. Um, who found herself face to face with uh, this gunman and a loaded weapon? Yeah, let's let's move sweet from Kellner's viral travails <laughs> to a president, yes, presidential let's. assassination attempt in Buenos Aires. Absolutely remarkable, and the footage of it all the more remarkable as well. I mean, she was. There's, I guess, the context here is that she's been uh, on trial for uh, for corruption, and, and outside her house there are hundreds and hundreds of people demonstrating in her support. And then last night she went out to thank them and was doing your, your classic sort of handshake and hugs and so on, going from person to person. And then from a number of different angles, because obviously we live in the, in the cell phone age, you have this footage of this guy pulling out a gun, trying to fire it twice at her head from point blank range, range mm-hmm. almost to the extent that it looks like a, it, it's so flimsy. It looks like a, like a toy gun, obviously, all hell breaks loose, um, and then the guy is is arrested. I mean, what we know at this point is, obviously, she's completely unharmed. The guy tried to fire off two rounds. Uh, we know that it was a live weapon. It was a real weapon. It was a live weapon. It contained five bullets, and, of course, it failed to fire. We know that he was a Brazilian national of Argentine citizenship, but beyond that, we don't know anything at all. And, I mean, yeah, actually, the, the president, uh, Fernandez, said this is the most serious incident since democracy was restored to the country. And overnight, I mean, this happened last night, overnight declared a national holiday in a holiday in inverted commas, um, uh, in, uh, in Argentina to manifest for everybody to go out into the streets and demonstrate in defense of life, in defense of democracy and solidarity with a with the vice president. You know how sometimes in the news, Martin, I mean, a lot of the news cycles we're inured to, we're used to, we just see mm. you know, the same things and, and we're kind of a little bit tired of them. But sometimes something comes across your, your intray and it completely takes you by surprise. And this was one of those events where you just go, what? And then you go, what again? And it completely takes you by surprise. Everything about this event last night was genuinely shocking. In, in, in all of its senses. Yeah. I mean, she was president, wasn't she, from 2007 to 2015. Um, I mean, how, how do Argentinians generally look back on her uh, stewardship of the country? Well, look, we, and we, we've spoken about Evita uh, recently in terms of the 70th anniversary, and she is very mm. much 
uh, a Peronist. She sees herself as a Peronist, as a social campaigner. And before she was president from 2007 to 2015, she was also first lady to her husband, Nesta Kirchner, in 2003 to 2007, who then died of a heart attack in, in 2010. So she has a, a long uh, history of political representation in Argentina. But the key point here is that, surprise, surprise, um, opinion in Argentina is completely polarised to the extent that you have her supporters last night saying, of course, this is an attempt to stifle democracy and so on. But you have just as many people saying that what they saw, even what they saw with their own eyes was fake, that it was a, um, a contrived opportunity to mobilise the leftist support in, in Argentina and so on. So it is completely one of those. You either love her and believe in her or you hate her and think that she is the death of the country. And it was interesting for me today looking and, and seeing everything that was taking place there, because actually in terms of this whole defense of democracy thing and the, and the schism that, that, that is, runs rife through, right through the center of Argentina, it basically you could have transposed all of that dialogue to exactly what was taking place in the USA last night also with Biden's speech as regards, you know, the Make America Great mm -hmm. Again and so on, and the disinformation and the, and the, and the polarized viewpoints. It's really interesting that these things that are taking place in so many countries are not these days unique to those countries, but they are something of a, of a global, uh, apologies for the use of the word, viral phenomenon. Yeah, no, absolutely right. I mean, e even here and on a much smaller scale, uh, we have uh, we're about to uh, we're about to crown uh, Liz Truss prime minister. But there's a, a huge groundswell in the uh, Tory party who want Boris Johnson back, um, which some of us find remarkable. But, you know, they do. And, uh, you know, in the old days, people used to, you know, used to leave the stage. And that was it. You know, they might grumble a bit from the back benches, as uh, Ted Heath did for years. But um, they certainly didn't. Uh, you know, there certainly wasn't this groundswell of people wanting Johnson back, wanting Trump back, etc., etc. So, um, you know, what you say is absolutely right. Moving on to uh, Brazil. Tell me about the man of the hole. This is another remarkable story. It is. And the, the last of his tribe i mean not just something that had happened recently he's been living in isolation in the danaru jungle region of brazil on the border with bolivia for 26 years uh, the rest of his tribe uh, suffered two major events in the 1970s there were uh, shootings killings by ranchers and then in in 1995 um, six others uh, at that point there were seven remaining in the tribe were killed by illegal miners in the region and he's lived in isolation ever since no contact whatsoever i mean some contact but basically he's reacted really aggressively uh, and nervously whenever the funaida brazilian indigenous uh, protection agency have tried to contact him so they basically left him well alone uh, and a lot of the stuff which he um, evidenced in, in terms of the, the area the protected area that he lived was very similar to other to other indigenous groups, but actually what really marked him out as very different to the others was these three meter holes that he would dig repeatedly as he moved around uh, the jungle, often with spears in. Uh, but, but in some senses also it seemed as though there was some kind of ceremonial component to, uh, to these holes that he was digging. So he was n no sense of name, no communication whatsoever, even with other indigenous groups. Uh, and so he came to be known as the man of, uh, of the hole. And he was found dead in a hammock outside one of the, one of the straw huts that one of the many straw huts that he'd built over the years uh, last week. And interestingly, he was covered in macaw feathers 
as he lay in this hammock. So it appears that he knew he was dying and he um, he brought, I mean, he made, he, he, he put himself at the center of his own funeral ceremony by preparing his body in uh, in the hammock. I guess contextually also important because we know of 200 in the region of 240 other indigenous tribes and and groups and nations in Brazil at the moment. But of course, during the the Bolsonaro uh, uh, mandate regime of the last four years, re-election coming up next month, the protections that surround these regions and these indigenous groups have been massively pushed back. So to, to Beyond the event itself, this really, I guess, could be regarded as a as a reflection, as a, as a metaphor for the state of indigenous groups in Brazil and Latin America more broadly in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed that uh, one of the websites here has uh, dubbed the story uh, the story of the world's loneliest man, and <laughs> it's almost difficult to work, you know, for 26 years. He was isolated on his own, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, how do you, you can't really um, over, overstate this. I mean, 26 years, this guy lived completely alone in the jungle, you know, without any other contact. I mean, he was, there was the odd bit of filming. The last time he was, he was observed to some capacity was in, in 2018 and the time before that in 2011. But, uh, and actually all the more remarkable because officially this is the first tribe that goes extinct since records began in Brazil. But that's only because there are so many others that have got, gone extinct that we just don't know anything about. So, you know, it's, it's one of those questions of how do you measure the things that you cannot measure? And it's only the fact that we knew about this guy that means that we know that this is the end. We, do, we don't know what language he spoke. We don't know who he was. We don't know his his customs, his beliefs, you know, how he related to. I mean, he's gone as with so many other indigenous communities, he goes to the grave with many more unanswered questions and, uh, than answers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just finally on uh, sports, uh, we've talked a lot about Saul Canelo Alvarez. Um, he's got a big date coming up in Las Vegas, hasn't he? Uh, fighting Gennady Golovkin. He does. Uh, the, the two most important dates in the Mexican boxing, boxing calendar, Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of of May, uh, peculiarly celebrated in the U.S. because actually it was the one, it was the one battle that the Mexicans won in the lost war against the French. So I don't, I've never quite understood how that plays out in terms of <laughs> Mexican celebration in the U.S. And then, of course, Independence Day, which is September the 16th here. And almost always those two dates have big fights. And this one in Vegas coming up on the 17th is, is no different. It's the trilogy, the big trilogy fight, Canelo 57 and 2, uh, against Galo, but importantly, uh, the, uh, of the two losses, one was just now against Dmitry Bivol, and then Golovkin, 42 and one. And the only one that, that Golovkin has lost was was against Canelo as well. So this is a, all, if not the fight of the year, then certainly one of the one of the top few. I, I guess what marks this out is slightly different to the uh, to the first two, which uh, the first one was a draw, and the second one Canelo controversially won. Is that Golovkin is now 40 years old and is also stepping up from middleweight to light uh, to super middleweight. Sorry. And Canelo stepping down from light heavyweight to super middleweight. So it seems as though um, the odds are in uh, going against Golovkin. But, you know, if we know anything from the previous bouts of uh, 2017, 2018, both guys, and for sure what we know about Canelo is both guys are going to go into this and absolutely give it everything. And it is going to be one of the spectacles of, of the year. 
no doubt. Excellent, excellent. And uh, as we've said in the past, huge excitement whenever um, Canelo is uh, is fighting, isn't there, in Mexico? It's you know he's a, a huge personality there. Yeah, and I've got two two tickets, uh, Martin, for the official post-fight uh, party in Vegas. Uh, one has uh, my name on it, and the other one has I've, I've inscribed the Kellner into it. So I hope to see you there on the night of the seventeenth. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully a little bit better by then. Uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it this weekend. But um, yeah, sounds sounds good. Um, John, as always, thanks uh, ever so much, and we'll talk again next week if that's okay. Take care. Good man. Uh, there we go. John Bonfilio joining us from uh, Campeche in uh, in Mexico. 